Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. All right. Well, I feel like I've come home because I was just saying to Marty um, that there's a space over there on that podium, what do we call the platform, um, where I got absolutely roasted at the Heidi Baker um, conference. Was that 10 years ago? More than 10 years ago. We were carrying our people out. We were the last people out the door. I remember that because we got into trouble every night. Um, you probably were, and um, we were staying in a, some cabins, I think, some in some place. I don't know where that was, but I just remember this girl was so drunk in the Holy Spirit, she fell from the top bunk onto the floor, and she was so messed up in the in the you know the power of the Holy Spirit um, that she didn't feel a thing. And she just kept laughing. And we were like, oh, shut up. We all want to go to sleep. <laughs> so that was the first memory I had when I came in. It was just, you know, that little space over there in front of the drum kit. That's my space, people. I was acting, um, I think I was impersonating a, I don't know what was going on. But they were the weird days, all right? They were the weird days, weren't they? I'm sure your, your pastors have sorted out all the weird theology that we bought into back then. Um, we've been on a journey for 20 years. Um, as you beautifully shared, Ryan, thank you for your lovely and generous introduction of us. I don't know um, how we're doing um, from heaven's perspective, but I know from earth's perspective, we are just having a really beautiful time. Our community is just, we're just friends. We like each other. We love each other. And we, we like being in the presence together. And out of that, it can you know, out of that, we've um, written books that have helped us really to define what does it look like when um, the supernatural invades church? What does it look like when heaven comes down and, and changes hearts? And when you've been in the, um, you know, in the, in the trenches for a few decades as pastors, you start to ask a lot of theological questions. And several years ago, Phil started writing books on the heart and on the glory of God, and that's been really beneficial. And then someone came up to me once and said, I really think you should write a book on community. Well, it turned into two books. Uh, this is volume two that's just come out a couple of months ago before our um, sabbatical, which I'm nicknaming the habbatical because it was a cross between a sabbatical and a holiday <laughs> and long service leave, which is, yeah, been awesome. But um, it just came out, and basically the reason I wrote those books apart from obeying God because you should always do what he tells you to do, is um, I wanted to really help define what was what is it that really the church should look like when the presence, you know, is in overflow, but not in a way that causes us to get into disconnect. And I think some of the culture that we've had in the past when we were just into the glory and, you know, flip-flopping around on the floor and all that's awesome. But if we don't have anything on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, we don't have any actual relationships that help us sustain real life, we actually end up sabotaging. And we found a lot of people in the glory kind of paradigm, unfortunately, did sabotage their lives and all ended up... Um, 
some of them having to, you know, work through some of those things and to build deeper foundations. And so some of the deeper foundations, well, the first deep foundation you guys know is relationship with, with the Lord, but not just with the Lord, with the Father. With the Father. And then secondly, uh, to build relationships in community. So that's what I want to talk to you about tonight is to talk about community. Is that okay? Who's excited? Good. Could, is it possible to have that light just down a fraction and maybe some light so I can see faces? Seeing as we're doing community, I kind of need to see you. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Why don't you put your hand on the person next to you and just pray for them. Um, I'm seeing blue dots right now, so I can't, I can't pray for anybody. I just need deliverance or something. Lord, come and minister to every person in this room and may we be envisioned by a new understanding of what does it look like when the presence of God is in overflow, but what does it look like also, God, to do New Testament community? What does it look like to become new creation communities on the earth that are calling forth the sons and daughters of God in the earth? What does it look like to be regenerated? What does it look like to become fully alive in the power of the Holy Spirit and build such deep relationships with each other that we are just absolutely shining like a city set on a hill. Father, we ask you tonight for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and that you would come and just pour your um, grace into every heart, into situations, Lord. There are relational things going on in this room tonight. There are heart journeys uh, that are being tested. There are hearts being tested in relationship, in life, and in practice. And Father, we just pray that you would come and just bring revelation knowledge into this room tonight and light and hope in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, you know, it's funny that uh, we... I think I've pretty much pastored every uh, people group in the church. So, you know, like that would like even include creche, and kids' ministry, and young adults, and um, now we have actually had to pray for elders to join our church because we didn't have any, and it was demographically imbalanced for many years. We said so many young people. I think we had 85% under 35 for the largest part of the journey of our community, and it was completely imbalanced and highly dysfunctional. Um, so we were like, God, please send us some elders, like have mercy. I think we might be the only church in Australia that had to pray for that. But um, <laughs> that we really did. We were just like, God, have mercy, you know, Christ, have mercy. I went back to praying Catholic prayers. <laughs> um, but the Lord's been so kind. And in the last few years, we've had lots of families come too with teenagers, and it's really brought the balance. And you just don't want heaps of like one you know, age group in your church, you want a whole mix and you guys are blessed that I think you have that here, right? You have an incredible uh, heritage. These guys have built an amazing community. Um, but, you know, community is many, many things. And so I thought I'd unpack that a little bit to you tonight, just do a basic message on community. I'm sure you've studied it. I'm sure you're fully aware of what it is. It's a buzzword in the earth right now. There's so many... Um, amazing things being written about community and so many uh, people that are rising up to, to, to define it. So um, I'm going to give it a go as well tonight and uh, add, my, add my weight to it and hopefully it'll bless you guys. All right, well, I believe that God um, has created two secret weapons and the two secret weapons that I think that he's given the church 
Um, you're already looking really scared. She's like, you're like, oh God, she's not one of those preachers. They're going to do the two, two major things, and then I'm going to divide it into 15 points. No, I'm not. I'm just going to ramble. Phil normally he says to me, well, that was very stream of consciousness, you know, because I'm kind of I ramble. And I will go down rabbit holes and then I'll come out and go, what are we talking about again? <laughs> so you got to keep me on track. You three here are assigned, okay? So if I forget my point and I come back and I'm like, what the heck am I even talking about? You three are the three wise ones and you have to remind me, okay? All right, so community is God's secret weapon. But um, also along with that, God has given us something else that's just profound, which we know a lot about, which is the presence and our stream, our current stream, um, which we kind of, I think it's known, you know, worldwide that it's called the revival stream. Um, it's been super, super focused on presence and super focused on the supernatural and getting, you know, God back in his rightful place of being all powerful. And, you know, it's all up to God and, you know, the sovereignty of God and the greatness and the bigness of God. And I think that's been really good because when we first came into the church in the early 80s, you know, I don't think we had a lot of that. But now in this last 10 years, haven't we just had that strong sense of that theological um, washing through the church that, you know, the greatness and the bigness of God, that God is able to invade every situation, that his supernatural, that his presence is abounding, you know, and increasing. And so we have a strong presence theology in the church, but I really believe that there's something that equally dovetails that understanding of how to get, um, how to, you know, host the presence is, is the building of the community of heaven on earth is equally as important and it's a strategic weapon in these days because researchers, social researchers are finding that largely what people are looking for in church because they don't know about the presence. You know, when their lives are freaking out out there and they're like, man, I just need to get me some spirituality and I need to go and find some place where I can do spiritual and feel, you know kind of at one with the universe and, you know, most people, how many people are, what percentage of people are new age now, Phil, in current culture? Third? Okay. One third, they're influenced by new age culture or postmodern thinking, right? And so it's a very, um, you know, it's a very liberal world out there. And so people are looking for spirituality. And when they begin on that journey and when they begin to, um, you know, go to... Um, you know, a bookshop and sort of, you know, scour the spiritual books, they're not looking for the Bible, are they? Not straight away. Um, but what they are looking for is connection, a sense of connection. And social reach researchers have um, sort of really honed in on this. And what they have discovered is that at the core of that longing is this, um, you know, the, the, the desire to, to be known and to know others. So I think this is really in our favour. I think this is a really great time to be a spiritual person in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a really great time to be able to say, hey, we actually have an answer for that. It's a really great time to say that the church isn't just the church, but the church is community. And in community, we do that, that we have that. We don't just brush over that and head and hide out in the glory and become... Glorphans, as somebody once um, 
nicknamed it, you know. We, we, were, we were, you know, the, that era that I was referring to on the stage, that was the era of the Glorfants. You know, you could just come in, you could, you know, get all filled up in the presence and it was exciting times, but it's not enough if we're going to be a people that can be mature in the world and reflect some deep, the deeper things of, of who Christ is in the earth, that he wants us to be the family of God and reflect his nature. So we have to have some foundations for the community of heaven, which we know tr the Trinity is, right? The Trinity is the first community. That's the very first community. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are the very first community. And so we're modeling ourselves not just on some, you know, idealistic thing that we are trying to pin down, but we actually have biblical precedents for community. We have the Trinity. And then secondly, Jesus had the very first discipleship school on the earth. So he established, uh, you know, a movable community as well and we see the relationships between the disciples as being a living example of what the greater family of heaven uh, is you know was in heaven between the father and the son and so Jesus modeled that and particularly with Peter James and John how are you guys going are you good all right so one thing um, that's really profound is, I mean, and having been a pastor of a church for over 20 years, is that I have noticed that people are their happiest when they are connected in community, number one, and secondly, when they're filled with the presence, that the two go together. And that's why I called my series The Glory Community, because it's not just all about community church. But neither is it all just about the presence or the glory. I'm going to use those words synonymously tonight and hoping that you're good with that, yeah? So the presence and the glory. Um, so people are actually their happiest when they are living together in connection. So we're going to define community, first of all. Defining community. Um, it's interesting, actually, that in society... We have two spheres of, or we have two ways that society tends to operate in terms of its social manifestation. Uh, society tends to either act out in a singular capacity, in other words, people think individualistically, or society tends to operate in a corporate mindset, which is the collective. And traditionally, if we go back, right back to when people were living in villages, Hey, we just came from Italy, and I just have to say, I was wigging out in piazzas. Because I was like, piazzas, they're like the ultimate community space. The very first day we arrived in Rome, we flew in and Phil wanted to go and see Roman ruins. I was not excited because I was jet-lagged. So I was like, just drop me off in a piazza. So we, we found this place and I just wanted a cappuccino and I wanted to sit in a piazza and just like do the whole absorbing what's going on thing. And so I'm in this piazza and I just noticed like these elderly people just come in and they just fill the piazza and they're not even reading a newspaper. They're doing nothing. They're just sitting there. They're just staring. <laughs> and I'm like, what are they doing? And they're like doing nothing. They're just being in this piazza. And it's really interesting that in the, in the when... Uh, we move from an agrarian society to the village thing, 
that the central point was the piazza or the, the central marketplace. And we had the fountain or we had the market, you know, the selling of the vegetables. And then we had the church and then we had the town hall. But everything was, everything was focused around this central point. Yeah? And so there was this sense of community and there was this sense of we all, we're all in this together and we can't actually do this without each other. So we had a collective mindset. We had a we're, we we need each other, and we had the you know we had the doctor over here, and we had the you know the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, um, you know we had the whole thing going, but it was all individualistic. We couldn't go to Kmart, couldn't go to a place where it was all like you know pressed in together. No, it was it was this collective, but it was the individual people with a sense of identity. But then over the generations, and because of the industrial revolution, we move away from that kind of understanding of the village and we got into the city lifestyle and the city lifestyle can sometimes disintegrate that sense of community yeah and we're all suffering from that in some way or another or have gone through that or are trying to recover that yeah so when we're trying to define community what we have to understand is that community is about people who come together around common values so in in the earliest times in the village um you know village life the common value was basically survival it's like we don't have a candlestick maker we don't have any candles we don't have any light if we don't have the baker we don't have any bread and so we needed each other the foot saying to the eye i have need of you yeah 1 corinthians 12 but currently in our world, we live in a society that's very individualistic and people have moved away from the collective and we're like, I don't need you. I do not even need local church. I'm just so okay by myself. In fact, I've got this thing down until a crisis blows up our life and we're like, I need somebody. I need somebody now. I need a therapist. I need a doctor. And I need, you know, and you're going through, have you ever gone through looking for help because you're like, there's something missing from my life. And what society has thrown out the window is the whole collective understanding that the family is the very central, firstly, the central foundation of our lives, but greater to that is this collective family called the church, the community of God that gives us a sense, gives us first a sense of self, but also provides us with all that resource that we don't have in and of ourselves. Now, most of you are um, probably not married. Is that true? Yeah? Pretty true. Okay. So, when you have a family, you know, we were like pretty young, crazy, in brackets, stupid. Um, we had a bunch of kids really quickly. I don't know what that was about, but we did that. So we had a bunch of kids really quickly and we soon found out we had no idea what the heck we were doing, you know? And we were like the first in our generation to have a whole bunch of kids and we were like, yeah, we've got the kids. And then pretty soon we were like, wow, we've got a stack of whole lot of very unique little people that we don't even understand. And so we had to get help <laughs> and find people who could help us figure out how to do parenting. And so then it soon dawned on me, wow, elders are a really awesome thing. I'm going to go see some elders because they've done this before. And so instantly we were thrown in the deep end and it was just like, you know, you, you were digging into the resources that were around us. 
so what will we, where am I going? I was going somewhere there. Um, we found out that the defining of our little community couldn't be really uh, properly understood without the greater community. And the Africans have classically put this into a phrase, it takes a village to raise a child. Who's heard of that one? All right. So it takes a village to raise a child. Later on, we had a revelation when our marriage went through some tricky stuff, not end-of-the-world stuff, but just normal tricky stuff. And we were in this sort of, you know, battle of cleaning up some things that had come into our relationship from way before. And it dawned on us, oh, my goodness, it takes a village to create, to, to help a marriage. And it takes, it takes the village to build family. It takes the village to build the church. It takes the village, the collective, to do what we are called to do in the earth. We don't get to do it on our own, but we need each other. And Paul just fully goes after that um, in 1 Corinthians 12 when he says, you know, the eye is saying to the hand, you know, I don't have need of you. It's ridiculous. Of course the eye has need of the hand. And on and on he made that point, right? Um, you would love to see that in a cartoon, but it could be really horrible. You know, the hand running along going, I don't need you, and the eyeball running as well. It's like, you know, the visual on that, on 1 Corinthians 12, like it looks like Paul was on drugs when he got that, but it's pretty full on. But it, he makes the point. And then he goes on in Ephesians 4, 16, and he says, you guys have been fitly joined together. Now, that really deals a blow to my independence. What? You mean I need you? I heard this guy preach once and he said, turn to the person next to you and say, you know, my, you have my breakthrough. And I remember at the time thinking, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but now I can say it with all, you know, open-heartedness. Dan, you have a breakthrough for me and Phil. I mean... We need each other. And so the first thing that community does, it undoes the individualistic mindsets and just throws us back into this is a collective. We were created to be together. I don't get to do this on my own. So we have um, four kids and they, two of them got married, which now means we have six. <laughs> I didn't see that at the beginning. I was like, we've got four. Four is doable. Now we have six. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, by the end of this thing, we're going to have eight. That's eight birthdays per year as opposed to four, you know. But then they're multiplying. And now we have a grandchild, Josiah, who is gorgeous. And it's like, wow, we have a grandchild as well. So it's like we're increasing and we're abounding as a family. And it's like, but I can see that God has chosen each of the ones in our family uh, divinely and put us together. And we are a family that's working together you know we're going to work together for the greater good for each other so community is a collective community is a group of people who come together around common values and goals just take one second and tell the person next to you what you what you see the greatest value in this community is if this is your community take one minute what is the greatest value in this community that you are here for?
Okay, shout them out to me. What did you get? Family. Family. What was it? Sports. <laughs> I was like, man, this is like high school. What? I so didn't hear you, bro. Support. Support, not sports. Yes. It sounded Italian from where I was standing. Yeah, there's so many things, right? And we could, we, what we've done over 20 years in building tribe is not sort of known what we were doing, but just sort of stumbled into values. Like you're stumbling into values right now and some of the values you're fighting for are values you'll be holding on to in 20 years from now. Whether you're in this house or another house, you're fighting for values that matter. All right, well, I'm going to talk about a value that matters greatly to this generation and because you're the young adults, I think this is going to hit home and it's the value of belonging. Belonging. Um, George Barner, who some of you probably are too young to know but old people like me know um, that he is a social researcher in the church who does heaps of, um, un, you know, kind of unpacking what's the demographic of a region but also greater to that, what has been the... Uh, cause and effect of revival in various locations. So some of you might remember the transformation videos from like about two decades ago. Maybe your parents had them as videos. Anyway, well, they were powerful in my life. And <laughs> George Barner was the dude who started that. And he has a research foundation, I think, in Seattle um, called the Sentinel Community or something like that. Anyway, that's that's the backup to say that George Barner's uh, research revealed that 50 years ago the reason people went to church was for Bible study. So if they discovered that Marty was an excellent Bible teacher, um, then they would be there with bells on. That was their church. And so they chose, if they had two churches to choose from on their street, you know, the one, the white one with the really big steeple or the little one with the blue rickety fence, and they were like, but the guy with the really good teachings in the blue one, and we're going to choose that one. So they choose that one because of the Bible teacher. Yeah, 50 years ago. Then 30 years ago when I came to Christ, well, actually it's coming up to more like 36, um, there was a big renewal in worship. And so we, um, we were just coming in on the cusp of that. And then, of course, it just exploded through the vineyard and um, just amazing worship movements. And now we have so much epic Worship, like I just love YouTube. <laughs> I am in love with YouTube. You know, I've got my House Fires channel, I've got my Bethel channel. I mean, you can just go and do like the full gelati bar of <laughs> styles of worship and just like Monday morning, I'm just like, you know, I've got, got it on and it's just like heaven on earth, you know. We're so blessed. Well, 30 years ago we had... We had Dave and Dale Garrett or whoever they were. I don't even know who they were. Scripture in song. We didn't know what anybody looked like because there was no pictures because it was before the internet. We just had yellow spiral bound books and they were cool people, right? 30 years ago, people chose church based on worship. That's what happened. And probably more 20 years ago too, yeah? So then we had this huge worship moves throughout the earth and that's really brought a big shift to our culture and brought such a presence culture and you guys get to just you know live in the land of Disneyland like you're just like it's the worship so good here like you guys are awesome so that's just your normal 
Um, but for people who are ancient, they didn't have that. They were just like, you know, but it started to happen about 30 years ago, so people chose it. All right, so to the point, here we are in the 2000s, and the big catch cry of this generation is to belong. Right? So if all your besties are going off to, you know, certain club or a certain festival or a certain thing or they're swept up in certain culture, it's hard to resist when you're a young person unless you have another culture that's dominant and that other greater dominant culture should be your church community, which is enveloping you and adopting you into the love of the Father and taking you on a journey into the nature of God. But it's pretty hard to resist, yeah, when you don't have that. Well, we do have that. We have God, we have his presence, we have his nature in the church. And so we can take people on a journey into the, I call it the belonging journey, because we get to bring them into a sense of something so much bigger than themselves. And then we can say, this is your normal. You don't have to just get this on Sunday Avo or Sunday morning, whenever you guys meet. We've always met in the afternoon, just saying. (laughs) We like it. And we're staying that way. Um, So we kind of did two services back to back. One is just the regular family deal, family service. And then we do a Soki service straight on the back of that. But whatever you're doing, what you're inviting people into, when we are doing church, we're inviting people into the belonging company. We're inviting them into the belonging journey of enjoying what does it feel like to be adopted by a huge Father, love that envelops every single human being and there is plenty for everyone and nobody misses out. And we're just going to love you until you can't handle it anymore. Uh, We are just going to keep enveloping you in that adoptive love in this community and we're going to squeeze all that rejection out of you until there is no more rejection. And we're going to keep on loving you until you believe that you are loved, until you know that you know that you are loved. And that's what the belonging is all about. It's about building a, a family that adopts people so deeply that it's that sense of just incredible security. When I came to the Lord, I was so insecure. I would literally run into this house where the home group was and I would like spy out where the places to hide were in the room in case anybody looked at me. And it's just terrible, but that's just how I spent the first couple of years of my Christian life until the love of God started to undo all that deep insecurity and move me from that place. And people are freaked out coming to church for the first time, aren't they? And our job is just to love them and to adopt them, to care for them and send them that incredible adoptive message. All right, next we have this incredible thing called connecting. And we were created to connect We were created to have our needs met. I had this revelation a few years ago. I was getting some Elijah House ministry and it dawned on me some of my deeper issues in my life weren't around, you know, we tend to think of strongholds of fear or I just talked about my stronghold of insecurity which has largely been healed. I still have, you know, we all still have threads but, you know, we've been largely set free from the power of these things. But one of the things that... um, a relationship does is it, it exposes what our true needs are. And in church, we tend to think of needs as being, you know, 
we don't have needs because we're Christians. You know, we just don't have them. We just go to Christ and he just meets every need. No, you have real genuine human needs and your human needs have to be thrashed out in the context of your relationships and finding out what your needs are in any given season in relation to those people that you're connected to is, is a key to your breakthrough. I think in previous generations, the church has made people feel guilty for having needs. And there should be no guilt around your needs. Your needs are genuine human needs for love and affection and to be supported or whatever, your, whatever the focus is in that season. And so connecting in church is vital. And that's why smaller groups are great. I, I mean, you know, we've talked about this in church forever, just about the power of home groups, the power of the connect group, the life group, the coffee clutch or whatever you want to call it. But it really is where we really do face-to-face is our community. Where you do face-to-face. And, I mean, I absolutely adore um, social media for its connectivity value. It's great. Like, we have probably, I don't know how many pages, but I think our church has about 10 different pages for the different communities within our church. I'll just pick on one for the moment, right? Just as an example. But the worship community page. I mean, our guys just are all over that page and they're like sharing the latest song or, you know, building up some new guy who's just jumped on team or or blessing someone as they're leaving and going out or or introducing some new concept that, you know, through the on-song program on our iPads or doing all these different things. And, and that we don't want to discredit the power of social media to create connection right now. But it isn't enough. We have to do face-to-face. And shame will always lead us away from face-to-face connection. Shame will always lead us away from looking in people's eyes and getting to know them personally because shame causes us to hide. And so even though we've got all these tools right now to connect, we still have the same issues in church that people 100 years ago had because they had shame issues as well. And so it's not like we're better or in a worse situation. I know we often get that this is the worst thing that's ever happened, Rave, and I'm not here to say that at all. I'm going to say the opposite, that social media actually builds community, but it's not your community on your worst day. It's you go to it's, – it's human contact that you were created for, and so connecting is just really, really important. I've completely not kept – is that – how long I've gone for? That one there? Oh, good, because I was going to say, which side is the number? I'm just going to keep going. I'm not even looking. <laughs> yeah. All righty. Connecting, connecting, connecting. It's so important. Um, building connection is, is really largely the pastoral heart. You know, I can't do it for you, but I can show you some people you can connect to. And your connection is going to really, really empower you. It's going to bring you into breakthrough. It's going to actually call you from being whatever you're being right now into that new creation identity. And so I really want to encourage you to continue to look for, like, really fun ways to connect. But especially look for those ways when you can connect deeper in the presence of God. Worship isn't just vertical. Whoop. <laughs> Worship is horizontal. It's turning to the people next to you in the worship and going, 
this is just crazy good. How are you going? You know, let's pray for each other in the worship. Let's connect in worship. Let's have face-to-face even in worship. And, and let's build that worship community. All right, I want to talk about safety. Um, you know, safety is so powerful because researchers, social scientists have found that most people leave church because they don't feel safe in a situation, right? And we would say that about ourselves. Like if we go join a dance club or a yacht club and everybody's acting weird and picking on each other, that's not a safe culture, so we're likely to leave. So it's not just an issue in the church. It's a, it's a human issue. And so therefore it's an, a church issue that we talk about how to be safe. It's not just for leaders to talk about. It's for all people. I'll tell you why. Because leaders have to feel safe. So people who are not in leadership need to know how to be safe for leaders to feel safe. And it's not their responsibility only, but we all get to contribute to the safe culture. Isn't that a relief? When I figured that out, I was like, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) It's not just us leaders. It's not all just up to us leaders to feel safe so everyone else feels safe. We all get to do it together. It's invitational. It's a journey We can't put it on people, but we can invite each other into deeper safety and we can invite each other into the conversation of what looks safe, what feels safe. Is that a safe thing? And that kind of language just opens it out. It doesn't mean anyone's going to get nailed for being like, you know, weird or anything. It just means that we're going to help each other and encourage each other to be even safer than what we were because none of us have got the love thing down, right? I mean, you read 1 Corinthians 13 and sometimes it's like, oh, my gosh, you know. And we just had Danny Silk do a heart rev conference in Byron Bay and I was like on the front row going like that, you know, a few times just like going, oh, I feel so convicted. But because we are always learning how to love. And so we're never going to be the safest person on the planet, but we are going to move toward that safety because we know that everything else is just not an option. Nothing else is an option. We just have to move towards safety. And so have I ever been a ridiculously unsafe human being? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> have I been an unsafe mother? Mm-hmm. You know, I can remember driving in the car and my kids just telling me to shut up. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, like there are times when every one of us has stepped over the mark and we've blown it in church culture. And Donald said something and then gone, that was dumb, wasn't it? I really probably shouldn't have said that. And it's really good if we can develop culture. And if you guys can develop this culture in this young adult community where we go, hey, you know that thing I did the other night? You know that said thing? I just want to erase that. Quick, just let it go, you know? Like we just, we love you and we release you from that. It's no big deal. Failure is not a problem. You know what the problem in the church is? Is that we just get wigged out so quickly when someone does have a mess or or we need to go apologise, just let it go real fast. And, and covenantal love is, is meant to be unoffendable. That's what we're moving toward. We're moving toward a covenantal you know, relationship with each other where we become so unoffendable that literally you know, the devil's like throwing rubbish at you and rubbish at your relationship and it's like, no, it's just not sticking. It just seems to be falling off. Like I'm just not offendable because... I refuse to be offended by this situation. I refuse to hold on to these hurts and these wounds and all this stuff and playing out the victim because I just don't have time. I just want to move toward being a safer, loving person who is 
able to keep bouncing back and being resilient in the midst of difficulty and go, yeah, this is my heart. You know, and, and not go, from here on in, I am a closed book because I was wounded in 1985 in a church somewhere in the galaxy. You know, it's like people go into this like absolutely ridiculous responses and it's like, hey, you're a human being. You are going to get hurt. Like someone came up to me in our church about four months ago and they were like, I have never been so wounded as I have been in this church. I said, I know, me too. And they were like, what? And I'm like, oh man, last year I went through the worst relational thing and I wasn't even making it up. I was like, no, I have literally gone through hell this last year. And they're like, how come you're still standing? I'm like, because I love people. Because I'm choosing to be resilient. I'm choosing to bounce back and say, nothing can separate me, not only from the love of Christ, but from my brothers and sisters, because I am not going to end up outside the church and being all offended and like broken and messed up. I'm going to keep my heart wide open and I'm going to step back in and choose to be vulnerable, even though it's really scary and you might hurt me again and mess me up, but I'll get healed, you know? And it's like, it's taken me a few years, maybe even decades, to get to that. But I am choosing to bounce back in love. You know? I mean, you know, you can say I'm a crazy cult leader. You can say, you can create websites about me. And you can spread rumors. And I'm like, yay, have fun. You know? Like, I want to be so resilient to the rubbish that comes against me and keep bouncing back and loving people and just keep sending them the love vibes and just doesn't mean I have to trust them. I'm like, I do not trust you at all. Seriously, dude, you are flipping scary. You are freaking me out, you know? I'll tell people that. They're like, do you like me? I just don't know if you like me. I'm like, well, you're freaking me out right now by asking me questions like that. On a Sunday afternoon, I'm just trying to do church right now. You know, give me a break, you know? (laughs) Can you just be normal? Do you know what normal is? And they're like, no. And I'm like, apparently not. Relax. You know, people are going to just be weird. Move through it. And so we just have to shake off all that garbage and just help people to stop being scary as well. Um, You know, if somebody is smashing toys on little Tommy's head, stop it. This is a safe play zone. We do not smash toys. We do not pinch toys. We do not say nasty things about other people. And so the job of the entire collective is to go, that's unsafe. Could you please not do this? No. Stop it. And so we all create that culture where we get to say, that's just not normal. But we don't have to pick on people and sort of, you know, use horrible words like, Jezebel or mentally ill or anything like that to get the idea across that it's just in the workplace environment you would get sacked for that behavior like you would get the you know department of fair trading would be involved like we don't do these things anymore we are not sexist hello neither male nor female we don't make a distinction between the leader and the sheepy anymore. We just say everybody is welcome and it's just a happy place to come and be normal. And so we've got to undo some of the weirdness that goes on. Is everybody okay? I hope you're laughing because you're happy and not because you think I'm nuts. 
I am nuts and it's okay. <laughs> That's all right. What happened in the Song of Solomon? I went down to the Garden of Nuts to see how they were all going. <laughs> it's good. Being a pastor this long. No, that's not the right thought. <laughs> Bind that thought in Jesus' name. All right. The next thing we're looking at is building. Building. And you get to build um, with living stones. And guess what the living stones are? Put your hand on your heart. This is a living stone. Okay, I'm going to read it to you. 1 Peter 2.5. At least we have one scripture in this message. <laughs> Come and be his living stones who are continually being assembled into a sanctuary for God. Yeah? Come and be his living stones. Your hearts are building the community of God on the earth. And... We have a lot of people that have backslidden out of the church in you know, the last, whatever, 40, 50 years. Here's a verse for them. Lamentations 4, verse 1. It says this, The holy stones lay scattered at the head of every street. The precious sons of Zion who are worth their weight in gold. Here we have, who's the writer of Lamentations? Is it Solomon? Jeremiah. Praise Jesus, we have two Bible scholars in here. So we have Jeremiah declaring that the holy stones have been scattered. And I think that's super prophetic of the church today, that there are people outside the church who Jesus is just longing, the Father is in heaven longing to bring those living stones back in so they're not out there in the, in the byways and the highways, but they come back in and help to build up the temple of God, which is the sanctuary for his dwelling. It's your hearts knit together. Your hearts when you come and you do a little small group and, or you do your little coffee get together. And it's your hearts knit together that create a sanctuary for the presence of God and increases the glory in your church. See, building is something we do intentionally. And one of the ways that we do that is we do this. Ta-da. It works sometimes. Valuing hearts, yeah? It's all about valuing hearts. It's about deciding that hearts are more important than bums on seats. In the church, my generation has been guilty. The performance culture of my generation have been very guilty about worrying about how many people are coming through that door and how many people are sitting on these things. And it's really not about that. It's really, if we're going to build... A spiritual community, it's about hearts and the value of each heart. It's about the value of what you're going through, the value of what you're fighting for, the things that you're excited about, the passion that you are hosting on the inside, the desire of your heart for God and for the things that he's put inside of you. And every heart needs value. But we also need to value your heart story. And this is where it gets complicated <laughs> because we have a big story to tell and sometimes it takes a long time to get to know everybody's story and sometimes in church we can be like rushing and we have you know a whole movement based on fast church and we need to get back to slow church where we take time to get to know each person's story and hear their heart journey and what they're going through and then with that to fight for the freedom of that heart yeah Who's up for that? 
Awesome, five people. (laughs) Jesus wants us to fight because heaven invades earth through hearts. See, if you're suffering, and I'm not picking on any particular thing, but if you are suffering immensely in your heart, say, for example, depression, because all of us have had that, yeah? Depression is something, it's a human condition. It's not like a, it, it can be a disease, but it is a human emotion. It's a human place. It's, it's grief that's not dealt with. It's loss. It's many, many complex things. And so if you're going through that season, there's no condemnation because you're going to come through it because if you're going through hell, you're going to come out the other end because Jesus has destined you to go from glory to glory. You're not going to stop there. If you're suffering from something tonight, if you are in a season where you're working through some some mental health issues or some anxiety issues, please be at peace and rest. The church is the best place for you to be. You get to be healed. We're going to help you move from here to there. We're going to help you move from there to here. We're going to be with you through the decades, through the years of your life, and you're going to transition out of that season into another season because we're going to value the journey of your heart. And we are going to prophesy to you because you're a son and a daughter. And we're going to call you out of maybe some orphanitis behaviors, maybe some, some funky stuff that's going down because you're expressing yourself. And this is the thing, when we have expressive culture and we have authentic culture, sometimes people get too real. You know, we went from being bound up, messed up, to trying to create authentic culture. And in that journey, we had four kids. And so we were like experimenting on them. And so we were like, everybody be authentic. And so we ended up having four really authentic kids. And my daughter turned to this like hyper authentic person. I'm like, stop being so authentic. Stop it. Just go to church and be religious. You're too authentic. You know, and the thing is, when we're journeying out of bondage into freedom, we're going to have all kinds of that kind of behavior going on in the church, but we just have to keep calling each other out of those behaviors into new creation behavior. I'm a new creation. I'm a son or daughter who's been bought by God, and I have been given this new privilege, this new opportunity, and, and we need people to pull us forward. But that just so we don't just disvaluing or devaluing, I should say, the heart story, but neither are we going to let you stay there because we're going to call you forward, and that's what community does. New creation communities call us forward. How are you going? You breathing? I can't see you, but I know you're out there. Okay, awesome. I've just got blue dots going. I, I don't know. Anyway, I am going to land this in a minute. And... I want to say a few things about community to do with our propensity to hide is huge. I mean, I'm an introvert. Like, I love hiding out. I'm probably an expert, you know. I saw this thing Sean Boltz put up on Instagram where he was like, you know, all the things that, that introverts love in a day. And one of them was cancelled appointments. And I'm like that too. Someone cancels appointment, I'm like, yeah more me time (laughs) so bad how do those two things plus pasta go in the same sentence anyway it creates a little bit of schizophrenia occasionally but um the lord wants us to choose covenantal love 
He's not going to hold you over a barrel and get you to choose community, uh, to, you know, force you to do community. He's asking you to choose community. He's asking you to come out of hiding and to reveal you. He's asking you to um, begin to identify those shame behaviours that we all have and those hiding techniques that we got really good at, some of us more than others, depending on your acting skills. But it's really largely your way of keeping fear in here and love way out there because love is so humbling. Love is so scary. And fear feels like your friend. Fear feels safer sometimes, but it's not. Because in the end, it will bring forth, forth a harvest of death. So that's why we have to choose love. And it's so terrifying. And some of us have come from families where we didn't know what the, even that was. And so God's undoing all of that um, constructed, you know, in a sense, scaffolding against love. And a lot of what's going on in the church in this generation is the Lord is deconstructing those defenses to love so that we can be seen. He wants to remove all the obstacles. The big ones, I call these the King Kongs. Fear, pride and shame. Yeah? And then he's going to get rid of little gremlins. They're just the little guys. Um, things like time. I don't have time for community. Or I'm indifferent. Heh. No, that'll go. If Christ is Lord inside of you, those things have to die because you do need each other and you're going to need each other more in the years to come and it's a good thing. So the desire to be known and loved needs to outweigh the desire to be hidden or unknown. If we're going to do community, we're choosing to get in the light. We're choosing to step into the glory where we're seen. And occasionally, it's flipping terrifying. But largely, we are anointed to be known. Largely, for the most part, the grace of God is on you to be known. And every now and again, we all have a scary day where we're just like, I need a hoodie and I need it right now. <laughs> Maybe even, a, you know, one of those full cover things, you know. What do they call them? Balaclava. You know, it's just like, nobody look at me or I'm going to like, burst into tears and we all have those days where vulnerability is terrifying but for the large part we are anointed to be seen we are anointed to be known we are anointed to open up our heart we are anointed to live from the glory we are anointed to be new creation sons and daughters of God who go this is me like that song out of the what's that awesome song that just came to me greatest showman you know I might be, you know, I'm, I, I feel all these ways, but this is me. You get to see me who I am. And as our rejection comes to the surface, the Lord will heal us. You want to be healed? Get seen. Is that okay, Grandma? Probably not. I hope there's no English lit guys here. But, like, if you want to be healed, you have to reveal you. And in the funk coming out... God comes and heals you. He restores you and you feel incredible and you will be buzzing in the glory. Your heart will be awakened in love for the Lord, his bride, for the presence and for the things that he's called you to because you've been set free. But we have to reveal ourselves to be set free. We have to reveal ourselves. We have to come out from our hiding places and just be ourselves. 
And if we can create culture, and I'm, I can tell by looking at you guys, you're up for that and you've already got that. You've got epic leaders here who are building that culture of intimacy and vulnerability. And you, you are, you're ahead of it. You know, you're, you're on it. And I just want to cheer you on into that tonight to continue that journey of being known and accepting each other and, and boldly loving each other adopting each other into that covenantal love. Here's something I wrote in the worship for you as a community. Um, I just felt the Father gave me this in the, in the time of worship, which was beautiful worship, by the way. Community that's based on the presence fights for each other. It prays daily. It worships passionately. It plays together. It celebrates each other. It flexes together in the seasons of life. It hurts together. It prophesies together and calls each son and daughter into their new creation identity. It hangs in there with people even when they're weird. (laughs) I probably should end on a positive. Community is all about love. It's about being patient and being kind. And it's about hosting his presence well because when your needs are being met, you're more likely to be a safe person who really hosts the presence well. And that is jolly attractive. The world is looking for people who are containers of the glory. They don't know that yet, but that's what they're looking for. And the more real you can be, the more the glory is just going to come oozing out of you. The more normal you can be, the more people are going to go, hey, they're just some, they're like cool, man. Like they're so switched on and just like normal. It's like there's not that churchy vibe down there, you know? And it's just about being you. And the more we can shake off the weirdness from the past, like if you were brought up in anything short of what I'm saying tonight, shake it off. Do a little thingy. I do it regularly. People are like, what's going on with her? I'm like, just shaking something off. Shake it off. And just step into the free version of you tonight because it's not just about you, but it's about everybody in this room. It's about becoming a collective example of the glory of God. And the freer we can get, the happier we get, people are going to be like, what are they on? And we can just just happy. Just happy because we're in community. Remember happy? Some people are like, no, I've never been happy. Well, you're going to feel it. We're going to get used to feeling happy because happy is what happens to the people of God when they're secure in love and filled with his presence. Let's stand to our feet.